Hi, this is Michelle. And this is Deanna. And this is Historable. So, Deanna. So, Michelle. How are you today? I am doing fine. How are you? I am wonderful. Sweet. I'm very excited for today's topic. I actually don't even know what we're covering today, so. Perfect. I love when this happens. No clue. Um, And that kind of leads me into, like, the perfect setup to start this episode off. Okay. We're going to play a little game called Two Truths and a Lie. For those that don't know how to play this game, I'm going to make three statements Two will be the truth, one will be false, and Deanna has to guess which one is the lie. All right. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. I'm going to make this really hard for you. Okay. Statement number one. My cat's name is Winston. Statement number two. The U.S. government used to test LSD on U.S. citizens without their consent. Statement number three. My name is Brian. <laughs> I'm like over here laughing like a five-year-old kid. Like I'm like so happy with She's myself. She's getting a lot of joy out of this. I'm getting so much joy. Okay, so for those that are new here, my name is not Brian. So oh. that is the lie. The truth is my cat's name is Winston. Yep. His name's actually Winston Churchill for those that weren't in the know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's true. The U.S. government used to test LSD and various other drugs on U.S. citizens without their consent. Fun, and that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. Ooh, okay, that's I'm I'm in. I feel like we were talking about conspiracies recently, mm-hmm. and I'm just on a kick. So this is the first of many to come. Yeah, I'm very excited for it. Me too. So specifically, we'll be talking today about an operation known as MK Ultra. Ooh, it sounds fancy. Such a fun Sounds name. like a club. <laughs> it sounds like a club. Let's go to the MK Ultra. Yeah, oh, that would be <laughs> a really cool club. But yeah, definitely don't go there as a single lady without your friends. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> um, just based on what the operation was about. Okay. <laughs> so this operation was an extremely top secret operation. And the fact that we even know about it today is extremely lucky. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of one of those conspiracy theories that has actually turned out to be factual. Ooh. So that's what's kind of fun is like, you know, you, you always hear people, the government's watching you, they're listening to you, they're putting additives in your water supply and all this stuff. Like, this proves that <laughs> it, during these two decades, they were in fact manipulating people without them knowing. Oh. And some people, though, not everyone didn't know. Some people, they knew. And they were like, yeah, sure, okay. Hmm. But we will get into all of that. We're going to kind of approach this in three different parts. So first, we're going to kind of talk about what the vibe of the world was. How did we get here? The why behind MK Ultra. Then we'll talk about MK Ultra. Then we'll kind of talk about some things that's happened in its aftermath and what that means for society and conspiracy theories. Ooh, okay. Dun, dun, dun. Loves it. Okay, so let's start and let's set the vibe. 
Our story really starts in the late 1940s. This is just a few years past World War II that ended 1945. Countries and people, they're still healing from this. It's very much still an issue, right? Right. The Cold War is really starting to take flight. This was like, they call it, for those that don't know, they call it the Cold War because nothing actually happened. (laughs) They were just like beefing but like it's kind of just like a pissing contest that went on for decades oh okay countries were very paranoid of each other you know what they were doing what kind Mm. of weapons were they making didn't we talk about this in the space race episode yes okay we did and so the space race was part i guess you could say or at least a result of the cold war and this is when it really started was post-world war ii is, is when it started and i think i don't know when it died down maybe the collapse of the Soviet Union, maybe, I think is when people say that that died off, but that's kind of where we're at right now. So there is a high level of paranoia in the United States. Mm-hmm. We did talk about that in the space race when the Russians sent up the satellite Sputnik. Yes. And the Americans could hear it, like the beeping on the radio or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the beginning. They were like, they're listening to us. They're watching you. That's right. That was a good episode. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. That's the vibe that we're feeling right now is is paranoia and who's going to be the best in literally every medium, every aspect of learning that there is. Cool. So with things like military weapons going to space right at the forefront, there was a lot of other things happening that they weren't being as open about discussing to the media because they were a little bit more, I guess, shocking. But one of them is that the U.S. had gotten intelligence that Russia was attempting to learn how to mind control people. Oh, just learning to mind control. Yeah, a very small thing. Yeah, no big deal. (laughs) So they were looking to completely control people's minds. And one of the thoughts behind that was that if they could achieve that, there would no longer be a need for like modern warfare, meaning destruction of buildings, destruction of population, yeah. all of that. It would just need to be to take over a group of people's mind and turn them onto your side. And then now you have all of them as resources as well. Oh, like little robots. That's like next level. Yeah. Yeah. The U.S. government, again, is like, oh my God, Russia's doing this? We need to get ahead of this because the only way to fight fire is with fire. So they're like, we need to learn how to mind control people so that we can also fight them at their own game. And also part of this too was like uh, forcing people to tell the truth without torture. Mm -hmm. and Truth serum. Truth serum. Right, but all, all of this really is to say that in order to find ways to do this and in order to find ways to uh, control people's minds without killing them or making them tell the truth without torturing them is to do both, mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, is to experiment with live human subjects and torture them and and or kill them and figure it out and find different ways in order to achieve what you're looking for which is like so more we're going to talk a lot about some twisted little happenings here so like just overall trigger warning okay there's a lot and i won't get into too like deep deep detail on the specifics but it's going to be interwoven in here so anyway the u.s government's like okay 
where do we start? Like, what are we going to do here? We're talking pre-MKUltra. Okay. Um, so this is the late 1940s. They kind of started with two other projects that were named Bluebird and Artichoke. <laughs> Which... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so Operation... I mean, they sound very... Um unassuming and not threatening not threatening at all so operation bluebird was actually kind of mk's ultra mk's ultra is like first generation okay Got it. so this was named because their first intention was to make people tell the truth so it was I, we want them to sing like their birds sing like a bird bluebird that's the name of the bluebird gotcha so a lot of this was actually carried out overseas and not on u.s soil um this was take uh, a lot of it was like in in germany and in japan at u.s prison camps so world war ii ended they inherited a bunch of obviously like bad guys right from the other side and we're keeping them in prisons Hmm. and so the cia assigned some people and they're like hey if it's like not happening on our own soil and if like this is what we need done don't tell me how you're going to do it but like wink wink nudge nudge we've all these undesirable people that we have in prison over here we can just use them to our advantage interesting yeah which is like really messed up right i mean a lot of them were bad people nazis people that also likewise tortured other people Mm -hmm. but so that's kind of how it started i don't want to get too in-depth about bluebird or artichoke um because again they were just precursors to mk ultra artichoke was kind of the newest version of bluebird as that advanced where again it was happening on a lot of prisoners that the u.s held Mm -hmm. i think it was artichoke because maybe they were trying to peel off all the layers i was gonna say i'm like why did they name it artichoke and now i really want an artichoke (laughs) i love a good artichoke a nice grilled one Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah maybe super solid yeah yeah little summer yeah for for sure yeah artichoke cravings aside kind of the lasting impression that these two projects have on history is that really they were essentially continuations of the horrendous acts that the nazis themselves had performed on concentration camp prisoners during world war ii and so a lot of people it just leaves a bad taste in their in their mouths about project bluebird artichoke and like i said coming up mk ultra as well because where these ideas spawned from didn't come from like good origins okay so all that to say is that we're now looking at the early 1950s. They're making very little headway in Bluebird and then in Artichoke. And they were kind of like, okay, we really need to get ahead of this. We need to make some progress. What do we do here? So this is when uh, the CIA director named Alan Dulles, this is where he steps in. And kind of like side note, I know the Washington area airport is called Dulles. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's named after him. Maybe. I don't know. Interesting. Anyway, so he had been kind of in charge of, I think it was Bluebird, and so he was kind of involved with this. So as he kind of rose the ranks in the CIA, he was kind of aware of all these human experiments, as you will. He was like, cool, we really need to bring this on our home turf. We really need to put a lot of energy in this. 
He's like, I just need someone twisted enough <laughs> uh, who's going to actually be able to get the job done mm-hmm. and like no questions asked. Questionable morals. Yeah, questionable morals. Mm-hmm. And then this is where a man named Sidney Gottlieb comes in. I really hate his last name, but I don't want to call him Sidney the whole time. The name sounds familiar and I can't, I don't know why. He definitely does not have an airport named after him but maybe you've heard of him before maybe i have <laughs> okay so alan Dulles hires on sydney gottlieb and he's like cool i don't want to know what you're doing i just want results mm. you have free reign to do what you will just make smart choices right undesirable people at undesirable locations um they were going to need a lot of to record a lot of their experiments and stuff. He's like, so make sure those cannot go into anyone's hands. If anyone ever found out what we were doing, this would be horrendous. Mm -hmm. Not only for the world stage, but also for our own population. Right. Um, And you can't exactly tell people you're trying to mind control them because then they would know and then that would defeat the purpose of like mind controlling unassuming people. Exactly. Yeah. So Gottlieb is like, cool. I... Got you. (laughs) (laughs) That was terrible. Anyway, Gottlieb was up for the job because he was a chemist and also an expert in poison. Which, I don't know how you become an expert in poison, but it sounds kind of fun. Actually, it doesn't sound fun. I completely take that back. Because what does the testing look like? The research? I don't want to know. I don't want to know. No, no thank you. So pretty much Gottlieb is like, okay. We're going to embark on this new MK Ultra mission. It is now officially named MK Ultra. They're taking everything learned in Bluebird and Artichoke, and they're kind of just like now funneling it all to MK Ultra with Gottlieb at the helm. So, what MK Ultra really was comprised of was a series of experiments on people that signed up, that people that didn't have any idea, people that were in prison, people. A lot of different people. Mm -hmm. But pretty much it was different things like electroshock therapy, uh, radiation exposure, and the effects of that, sensory deprivation, isolation, and just a whole buttload of drugs. Oh, wow. Okay. Different drugs. MDMA, uh, heroin, amphetamines, like just all these kind of drugs. And this is where they make some really questionable decisions, in my opinion, and I think most people's opinion, is that while they're doing this, right, so they had a bunch of Nazis Mm -hmm. they had in their prisons. So they had, obviously, some access to some Nazis that were involved in the concentration camps and involved in all the medical experiments that happened in the camps too mm-hmm. that's a whole different episode in and of itself oh yeah but we talk about how terrible that is but then it's like the u.s was doing and i'm sure tons of other countries too oh yeah but so the u.s actually pinpointed a couple of these concentration camp doctors flew them out to the u.s and had them like give a speech on some of the medical experiments that they had done and like to a group of like cia like scientists Okay. Which is like, um, that sounds stupid, but there are actually... Gotta learn, I guess. Sure, but there are... Let's just say there's a lot of Nazi ties in the U.S. (laughs) We'll put it that way. That's also a conspiracy theory, but (laughs) some of it's proven. (laughs) (laughs) Moving along. So there was that. Also, Gottlieb tapped into magicians. What? They use magicians 
for different things, for two different things it seemed like, where they used their knowledge of hypnosis mm-hmm. on how how to try and hypnotize people to do what they wanted. I mean, that kind of seems like a bit, if you're trying to control someone's mind, why not try hypnosis? There you so go. They brought in a bunch of magicians. <laughs> and actually, I was reading somewhere that some of the CIA operatives were att- attempting to use some of this knowledge on like the secretaries and stuff in the CIA offices oh, goodness. to like make them like be more flirty or whatever. I'm like, that's gross. Ew. Um, I also did see too, that they use the magicians to learn how to implement sleight of hand, mm-hmm. right? Slipping in a little something to someone's drink without them knowing and without getting caught. I thought that was really interesting too. So with all this kind of like knowledge that they've acquired from these different places, MK Ultra really started to take off. And Gottlieb actually started to zone into one drug in particular. And this drug was being sold and oh, I think it was created and sold by a Swiss lab. And this drug was called LSD. So I actually didn't know this about LSD. For those that don't know, it's a drug that ha- creates hallucinogenic effects. It is currently illegal in the United States and I think most other countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the time, the Swiss company was selling it just like on the open market. Oh, okay. And it was a common f- pharmaceutical. Hmm. I don't. I didn't really look into like what it was prescribed for, but I guess it was just like a, you could go to your pharmacy and just pick some LSD up. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what it was prescribed for, but... Yeah, probably like women's hysteria and I don't know, like (laughs) if your leg was haunted, I'm not really sure. So Gottlieb starts looking into utilizing this for his testing. Mm -hmm. His theory was that in order to control someone's mind, it was a two-step process. Okay. So he thought you first need to wipe their mind and their values and then replace it with what you want it to be. I mean, I guess that actually kind of makes sense um, thinking about, you know, I'm really interested in cults and the psychology and stuff. And I mean, that's kind of part of it at the core of it. They kind of take away your sense of self and then they kind of build you up. So that makes perfect sense to me. Oh, absolutely. Because there are so many things that educate every decision that you make. Clear it all, replace it. So he thought... If we can get people effed up enough on LSD, we can just wipe their minds and then replace it with what we want. So There's an idea. Yes. So kind of going back to the Swiss company, they were obviously the manufacturers of LSD. They were the only people that sold LSD. And they had, I don't know, some hundred thousand units of LSD just like on hand. And Gottlieb goes to the CIA and was like, yeah, we need to procure every dose of LSD there is in this world. And the CIA is like, yeah, sure, bro. I think it was like something like over $200,000 in 1950s money, which is like $2 million in current money. Mm -hmm. So the U.S. just casually bought the world's supply of LSD. (laughs) No big deal. No big deal. No one else had LSD (laughs) except for the United States. All right. Which like, go you guys. (laughs) Again, this kind of makes strategic sense. If they're researching something that could potentially help to clear someone's mind, wouldn't you want to have a monopoly on the product? Oh, for sure. So I was like, okay, this makes – so when I first read that, I was like, what's the point? <laughs> you got the whole supply. Totally. So now they have all the LSD in the world, quite literally. He's like, cool, now we need to start experimenting with people 
seeing how they react, different types of people. So this is when they really just kind of started handing it out, like I feel like candy. That's totally up made up in my own imagination and you get some LSD and they went all you, Oprah about it yeah. and you get some and you get everybody gets it so they passed it out to hospitals and medical schools so mm-hmm. they can more they could test it in, in a, a more medical environment as you know like a maybe this will help you type of drug I could I don't know yeah they passed it out in colleges they tried to pass it out in more natural situations, but that were also could be controlled. So this is when they decided, okay, we need to actually observe this firsthand. Mm-hmm. So they opened up a safe house in New York City. And this safe house was meant to be like an observation apartment. So they kind of rigged it up with some cameras and stuff so that any interactions that were happening within this apartment could be researched and documented. So this is when Gottlieb's like, cool, I need a partner in crime. I can't do all this myself. Mm -hmm. So then he finds a man named George Hunter White. And I'm just going to call him George from now on. So Gottlieb is like, cool, George, you're just like me. You're a little screwed up in the head, but you know how to get the job done. You're hired. So he hires him to be like in charge of this NYC safe house. Mm, okay. His background a little bit was he was a narcotics cop that now worked for the CIA. So he kind of had like that street sense drug indicator. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like if you worked as a narcotics cop. He should know some stuff. He should know some. He's some, probably a value add to the situation. Right. He knows some street stuff. Yeah. Where Gottlieb is like, I'm a lab guy. Like I. I like science. I like science and like some monkeys maybe and a ton of LSD. But other than that, I'm not really a people person. <laughs> So anyway, George is now in charge of this NYC safe house. And he's like, okay, I need a shtick. Like, I need a cover story. How am I going to get people to this apartment in order to be observed? George, for a while, pretended to be an artist. And he would then go to these art shows and and then bring people back to the apartment. And he would do it in other ways, too. Like, Mm -hmm. just meet people at the cafe or whatever and say, like, hey, let's go have some drinks at my place. He would bring back groups of people, one person, whatever it was. And they would just hang out at his apartment for drinks. Little did they know that their drinks were just with LSD. No. So he's just dosing people left and right. This is why I was like, maybe don't name a club MKUltra. Yeah, that's awful. Because there's a lot of just dosing people's drinks. Oh. So, and then, yeah, so there was all this surveillance happening in the safe house. So they were able to... Research it, document it. These are just normal people we met off the street, and this is how they're reacting to the LSD. And this is how they're reacting when George says this and blah. And can he get them to do this or whatever? Which I don't want to know how far it got. Yeah. As far as the control part, but Mm -hmm. that's what we do know about that. Oh, ew. So I know. So some time goes on, and George and Gottlieb are like two peas in a pod. And George gets an offer for a really nice job, but it's all the way across the country in San Francisco, California. So George is like, sorry, Gottlieb, I got to go. This job. See ya. See ya. Like this job is like going to pay me too much. And Gottlieb's like, dude, take the job 100%. But also we're going to open up another safe house in San Francisco. A West Coast office. West Coast office. So you can still do this for me because no one else is as messed up as we are. So like... Who's just okay with doing this to people that have no idea? Our two peas in a pod. Right. 
So that's exactly what they do. He goes to San Francisco. They set up a new apartment, and this time they nickname it The Pad. Ew. Which is like, oh, I hate both of these men with I all of my soul. so hard. And I'm like, ew, what is... <laughs> and this is like, I don't know. I think at this point it's still the 50s. Yeah. So I'm like, The Pad. Ugh, so lame. But apparently The Pad was decked out in surveillance equipment. Mm-hmm. They even built a little room with a two-way mirror where someone could sit and watch everything happening like in the main living room. Someone had said that it was so wired in there with microphones and cameras and everything that if you just spilled a glass of water, you would get electrocuted. It was like that hooked oh. up. Wow. And this is like 50s equipment, so I'm sure like... It was I mean, a little clunkier than the equipment of today. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a computer in the 50s took up an entire warehouse or something right. like that. So <laughs> take that for what you will. So this time around, instead of George pretending to be some starving artist, <laughs> the whole shtick was that they just kind of went around and found local sex workers. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, cool. You guys are out here doing your work. How about this? You take your Johns back to our apartment, the pad. We're going to be watching you the entire time. So, like, if something happens, you'll be safe, right? But no one's going to know that someone's watching. (laughs) And also, for every John that you bring back and let us, like, film your interactions with, Mm -hmm. we'll pay you. So these sex workers are like, okay, we're getting paid by the Johns. Yeah. We're going to be in the safety like almost having like a security team watching us in case something goes wrong. Like we have someone there to protect us and two, we're going to get paid again by the research team. There was only one little catch. They had to dose all their jobs. Yeah. I was, I was like, well, Oh, and I mean, yeah, I I don't know. Right. So they would bring back the Johns would be like, Hey, you want a drink? And then would give them LSD. And then this is where the research was. So the idea of this part was how do we mix sex and drugs to loosen a man's tongue? Mm. This operation was called operation midnight climax. Which I'm like, oh, come on, oh. George and Golly, is too funny. No. Let's uh, come on. Oh gosh, they make me cringe. I know. It's so cringy. I know. I also want to point out that the sex workers were also offered a get out of jail free card in case they ever got picked up by the police. I think it's, a, I mean, overall, minus the whole having to drug people against their will, like mm-hmm. it's a pretty good gig. Yeah. 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 But yeah. like, you know. If you're in that line of work. If you're in that line of work, it yeah. seems, I mean, it seems like reasonable. Like you're getting double paid and yeah. and you have a, side hustle. A, a creepy security team behind a two-way mirror. Okay, oh. cool. So let's talk about this two-way mirror because <laughs> this is just like makes me laugh so hard, which is actually really creepy at the end of the day. So it was George, since he didn't have to be like the lead actor in the show, mm-hmm. right? He was the main re- researcher. Right. He was said to have a chair that was a toilet. And it was because he couldn't always just leave to go to the bathroom. There could be... He couldn't have like a second little closet with a bathroom with ba- in it? I know. Why? Why like didn't he the would pad sit- have multiple bathrooms? That's not even the worst part to me. Oh, no. I don't know why this one's wor- worse to me than having like a toilet chair. 
is that he would just sit back there and drink martinis. No. Which I'm like, and I'm like, I just imagine like this creepy guy just chiefing down cigarettes in this little closet, drinking martinis, literally pooping his chair while watching two people go at it, all for the sake of science and to defy communism. I'm just taking a moment to to just process all of what you just said. But he was a patriot. Oh, gosh. (laughs) I I don't know. It just... It, that martini part gets me. And actually, um, on one of the articles, I think it was uh, history.com. I think it was that article, again, linked on the website. The first picture is like of a guy sitting there drinking a martini. And I had already just like read that on another article. And I'm like, I'm dying. <laughs> this, is, this is George just sitting there. I don't know if he was a smoker, but I'm just assuming it was the 50s. Oh, I'm sure he was. He was definitely hotboxing that closet. <laughs> another big experimentation pool that they use besides sitting on a poop chair in a closet. Stop it. <laughs> I can't get over it. <laughs> Was they used the United States very large prison network. Mm. So again, kind of going back to that Nazi philosophy of using undesirable people, right? The Nazis mm-hmm. mistakenly thought that the Jewish community were undesirable, so they thought that they could do that to them. So the United States, the CIA, was like, cool, people in jail, you're undesirable, we can test on you. Mm. Right? Yeah. Um, and I don't want to say that that's just a Nazi thing, that's just a, a reoccurring thing, right? We see that a lot, like, in serial killers, they do that a lot, too. Like, Yeah. I don't know. It's a theme. It's a theme, With yeah. messed up people. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So there were, I know in like one instance, there was these six black men that I think they elected to sign up to be mm-hmm. tested on. And then probably, and that, and that was really well documented. The other one that actually you might know of was a notorious Boston mob boss by the name of Whitey Boulder. I know that name. Okay. Yes, I know that name. Okay, so he was part of MKUltra. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. But he didn't really know that he was. Mm. So he was in jail for his various crimes as Mm -hmm. someone as part of the mob that gets pinched does. Pinched? Right? That's when you get arrested, you get pinched. I'm not up on my mob terms, but that sounds legit. <laughs> okay. So he, was, he got pinched. He was pinched. He was yep. in the hole. He was in the he jail. Was in the hole. <laughs> he was in the hole. And um, oh, wait, they, I think it's what they, he went to college. I think they say oh, that yeah. they went to college. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was in college. He went away to college. He's overseas for work. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, he's in jail. And the CIA rings his cell door one day. It's like, hey, Whitey Bulger, we got an opportunity for you an opportunity we're just gonna give you these random drugs like once a week and then we're gonna throw you in the hole by yourself for 24 hours and then we're gonna observe you and he's like uh what (laughs) and they were like don't worry we'll reduce your sentence and same thing with those other the um any inmates that they proposed this to they Mm -hmm. said will you reduce your sentence we'll give you better living conditions a nicer mattress maybe yeah some extra food from the commissary and they're like hot cheetos yes like i would do i would do this for some hot cheetos in jail yeah and if they're like hey i mean we're gonna like give you some mind altering substances when you're in jail like for funsies like i don't know and we'll give you like less time i mean 
I would consider it. It'll make this this stay interesting, but yeah, it's like, also it's like going out on a, a Friday night, right? But you're just in solitary <laughs> in confinement on who knows what kind of drugs. <laughs> Which also, I'm sure that one psyche while in prison is not too healthy, right. and so this could also be extremely the opposite effect. That's true. So Whitey Bulger says, okay, sure, bet, I'm in. Like, let's do this. So he starts this regimen with them of taking random drugs, mainly LSD, and then researching him while he's Mm -hmm. on it. So Whitey would later go on to say that he couldn't even tell the researchers everything that he saw. And to this day, well, I think he's dead now. But actually, I'm fairly certain he's dead now. But to for the rest of his life he said like i will never tell everyone anybody exactly what i saw because no one would let me be out in civilization if they knew what i saw meaning like he tripped so hard he like saw the stuff you know (laughs) he had a bad trip a bad trip also whitey was never actually told that he was part of an experiment which was endeavoring to control one's mind. He was told that it was schizophrenia research, so that's fun for him. Mm. Uh, The government ended up doing him dirty and didn't shorten his sentence, and then instead transferred him to just a small high-security prison by the name of Alcatraz. Okay, so we kind of seen two different scenarios where they're experimenting with people that aren't aware they're being drugged and people that are aware and are actually signing up for it. And so it was a good mix of kind of both. In this one instance, this... So just kind of like to backtrack a little bit. MKUltra ended up lasting about 20 years. Oh, wow. This would go on from 1953 until 1973, which is a very long time to be like creepily experimenting with drugs on people. Yeah. And these are just the high level, right? situations Mm -hmm. i felt that were noteworthy but this last one is definitely the most noteworthy and even though it happened so early on it definitely i think was their downfall okay so this actually happened in november of 1953 so this was a couple months after mk ultra even started so there is this man who also works for the cia and his name is or maybe not the cia but he works for the government. Okay. His name is Frank Olson. And Olson was a bacteriologist, which I didn't even know that was a word. <laughs> <laughs> and a biological warfare, warfare specialist. Yeah. So like, wow, we, he really knows about germies. Yeah, He's for a, sure. A germy expert. Yes. So him and Gottlieb kind of ran in the same circles just because of... <laughs> that situation but by all accounts frank olsen was a very nice decent man okay he did not have the same vibe as maybe georgie Pooh. georgie Pooh chair stop <laughs> i i would be totally fine never hearing about that chair again <laughs> thank you uh, uh george and uh gottlieb he definitely did not seem like they were of the same pod peapod Oh, that's good. Yeah. But because of their lines of work, they actually, they ran in the they same circles. Paths, yeah. yeah. So that makes sense. Science circles. Yeah. So at the beginning of MK Ultra, Gottlieb actually just 
reached into the CIA operative pool and was like, does anyone want to try some drugs for the sake of the government and to prevent communism from encroaching in U.S. toil? Interesting interesting cell. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of people were like, sure, okay. So then every couple of weeks or months or whatever, Gottlieb would put on these retreats that he called them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people were elected to go. Sometimes they were just invited. But... Olson was really excited when he received an invite and he mm-hmm. was going with a couple colleagues and again, people that were in the same circles. It kind of seemed like he was like honored to be invited to go to this like weekend escape in yeah. Maryland with all these people. So they go up the first night, it's very uneventful. And at the second night, they're all at dinner and Gottlieb is there and Olson, a bunch of his coworkers. And a little way into the dinner... All of a sudden, things got a little bit weird. Oh, no. What happened? The meatloaf started talking. The sconces started doing the Roomba. I don't know. I've never done a hallucinogenic, <laughs> so I don't know what happens, but that's what I would like it to sounds happen. Sounds terrifying. <laughs> kind of sounds like a live-action Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> like, anyway, they were all tripping. Yeah. And Gottlieb just kind of starts laughing. He's like, hey, guys, I put LSD in all your drinks. And no one elected in this situation to do it. And so they're all kind of like freaking out. But wasn't he like, come on this retreat and I'm going to give you drugs? So I think the retreat started because he Mm -hmm. was like having these CIA operatives like sign up to do it. Mm -hmm. But then the retreats continued. Got it. And then people weren't aware that this was going to happen. Got it. They're just like, oh, we're going to do like a bro hang for the weekend. And next thing you know, boom. They're all tripping. Cool. Yeah. By the end of the weekend, when Olsen comes home to his wife, she has been quoted as saying, like, he was not the same. Mm. He was very off. He seemed very nervous. He pretty much said, like, I think I might want to quit my job. I don't think I fit in there. I don't think I like the job. Oh, my gosh. What happened? He was, like, very disturbed by... I mean, he just went on a 12-hour trip (laughs) with a bunch of his coworkers that he didn't want to go on. So I did kind of deep dive a little bit into his life and his career a little bit. I won't really talk about it here. Honestly, he could have his whole own episode. I do really feel bad for this guy. He's had seen a lot of stuff, a Mm -hmm. lot of really bad stuff. And again, he didn't seem like a bad guy and that he didn't have the stomach for it. But he had seen a lot of bad things. I think in one case I saw like... His coworker describing like him walking into a lab full of dead monkeys because something had gone wrong and just like the look on his face, like he was just like, This isn't in the name of science, this is torture, you know? Like yeah. he couldn't handle it, right? So after a weekend of tripping, he's probably like, These Over are it. this is these are not the coworkers for me. I gotta go. So like a week or two go by and he's I was back at work and whatever, but maybe just a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And then comes this cool November morning. I think it's like five or six o'clock in the morning in on Seventh Avenue in New York City when all of a sudden the street in the street it rang out with the sound of glass shattering. And this was described by a bunch of doormen that were around that like witnessed the door the glass shattering Mm -hmm. and then a couple seconds later Olsen's body fell to the ground Mm. so when they looked at it they realized this is a hotel he had fallen out of a window 
they look and he was actually checked into the room with another guy, uh, one of his coworkers named Robert Lashbrook. They were there for work. And so the police run up to the hotel room. They find Robert. They're like, what happened? And Robert's just sitting there confused. Like, I don't know. I I was sleeping. And then I heard the glass breaking and he was just out the window and he's gone. Mm. And I don't know. I don't know what happened. So according to this article that I was reading by The Guardian, the night manager of the hotel actually later said, quote, In all my years in the hotel business, I never encountered a case where someone got up in the middle of the night, ran across a dark room in their underwear, avoiding two beds, and dove through a window with the shade and curtains drawn. End quote. Hmm. That's interesting. Like, even this hotel person is saying, like, what's happening here, you know? Right. It didn't take long for questions to arise. Did he jump? Or was he pushed? And how much does this Robert guy have to do with it? Because he was in the room with him, you know? If he was pushed, did Robert push him? Did someone else push him? And so once these mumblings kind of started happening, the CIA tried to get in front of it. And they said, well, you know, he just, you know, participated in an LSD experiment. Sometimes this has lingering effects. It could be that he had a sudden burst of hallucinations Mm. and he ran out the window and decided to jump up who knows right and so that's kind of where they left it they Mm. told Olsen's wife like hey we're so sorry your husband seemed to have committed suicide the coroner even signed off yes it seems to have been suicide and that was just kind of it for a while you know and they just kind of forgot about it Mm -hmm. so again that was the beginning of MK Ultra. So now let's flash forward to the the end in 1973. The CIA had seen, I think, like two or three different directors at that point, And the latest one had just been fired by Nixon. And so it was this whole thing. And pretty much Gottlieb was like, I'm on my way out. Yeah. Like, it's starting to get dicey. I've been doing this for 20 years at this point, right? 20 years, really <laughs> no time to res- retire. No results. <laughs> yeah. No, there's no mind control happening. There's no truth serum. You're just getting it's a, waste a lot of time. Of, literally a waste of time getting everyone wasted. Yeah. Like, he knew that his operation was going to get disbanded because there's just all this money. I mean, to everyone else looking in, there's all this money just getting funneled to this random MK Ultra operation that no one knows what it is. Yeah. Very little people do. So he was like, okay, we're going to be looked at. So we're going to disband it. And also we have to get rid of all the evidence. Now, there wasn't much evidence to begin with. They, it seems like they were very careful as to what they documented and what they didn't document. Mm -hmm. But I mean, obviously like the pad, like that was hooked up with microphones, video cameras, the whole shebang. Like those don't just get thrown away. People got to research that, you know, review it, whatever. So Gottlieb actually drives out to the CIA's storage warehouse where I guess they just keep all these secret top secret <laughs> files. It just seems silly to me. I mean, I'm sure it's very it's more complex than that. <laughs> I'm just picturing like the store the normal like storage unit. Like, like yeah, storage wars. You yeah. storage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a self-service. Yeah, whatever. That's what I'm picturing too. So he goes there and he pretty much demands all the boxes mm-hmm. regarding MK Ultra and he destroys them all. But the government had receipts 
and quite literally because they found all this out via his actual financial receipts oh. <laughs> and the financial trail. <laughs> so yeah, so he destroyed most of it, but there was a couple boxes that were in a different location because they were more financially related mm-hmm. and more so much like expense reports and stuff. Yeah. And so he missed those. Ooh. So through finding that and piecing a lot of stuff together is how we're even able to come up with as much information as we have on it. Then we only know like 5% of what all actually happened in those 20 years. Right. So I don't, it's like terrifying to me to think about all that could have transpired and what the government's capable of. You know, you always hear it in conspiracies. Again, the government's listening to you. They're watching you, all this stuff. But it's like, no, they, they're this also... This time it, it was true. They're also <laughs> drugging you. Yeah. <laughs> like, so what kind of ended up being their final demise was a couple years after it disbanded, this guy wrote an article and pretty much said like the government is drugging us and they're actually responsible for murdering a man named Frank Olson. Oh. And they went and interviewed Olson's family and the whole shebang and pretty much was like I think your mus- husband was murdered. I don't think he jumped out of that window and here's why. Mm. And then the Olsons were like you're right. Like he definitely did. We don't believe poor sweet Frank Olson jumped out of the window. Like we know he was going through some stuff, but this just seems like he, they were trying to shut him up because he had seen too much and he wasn't okay with it. And he was probably about to talk. So in comes the president of the United States and invites the whole Olson family to the Oval Office. (laughs) And he's pretty much like, we're so sorry that the CIA did this. Let's offer you $750,000 to just drop your lawsuit. Oh, did I mention that already that they were suing the government? You didn't mention that. Okay. I just said that and I was like, I don't think I said they were suing the government. Oh, okay. For uh, wrongful death Mm -hmm. because of this. And so the president's like, cool, yeah, here's a bunch of money drop the suit and they drop the suit Mm. so this did though spark a lot of controversy and a couple different proceedings Mm -hmm. so Gottlieb for instance he was indicted I guess is the correct word to and looked under he was under investigation about what was this MK Ultra? What actually happened? What transpired? Yeah. This is when they found the financial documents and were able to kind of piece some stuff together but ultimately they weren't able to press any charges because all of the witnesses just didn't know what happened. Yeah. And they weren't able to prove anything. So that was kind of dropped. Kind of going back to Frank Olson for a second, once his wife passed away, his son actually did petition, I think it was 1994, he petitioned the courts to actually exhume his father's body mm-hmm. to have it reexamined by a private, um, in a private autopsy. Mm-hmm. And they did find, what's the phrase? Anti-mortem head trauma, which means head trauma that happened before death. Oh, okay. Meaning that, and I think it was like above his eye. So meaning that he was struck on his head before he fell to the ground and died. Mm. And, or that could have killed him. And that also too, the way that he flew out of the window, that he would have had shards of glass stuck in his body. Now again, like this could have been taken out or whatever. Yeah. But, um, stuck to his body, but he didn't. So pretty much they ruled it murder. Oh. Someone murdered him. So kind of fun fact too, is that one of the ways that I guess 
Where did, I think I learned this like on an episode of Bones or something. So take that with a grain of salt. Maybe it was Law and <laughs> Order. I'm not really sure. One of those type of crime shows though. But they did say that undercover operatives or people like that, someone that would be responsible for offing somebody, let's mm-hmm. put it that way, that one of like the biggest tools they use is to fake a suicide by jumping because this is kind of morbid, but the body is usually not that well intact afterwards right. and a lot of evidence can be lost that way. Makes sense. And so they say that it's a really good way to kind of cover it up a bit. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. Shout out to whatever cop show I picked that up from and if it's <laughs> even true. all of them. Probably all of them because I watch all of them. <laughs> So there's that. So that is kind of MK Ultra in a nutshell. Wow. And so I guess some of the things that I kind of want to just like follow up with, I don't know. I, so the main one for me is that like it was one of the Beatles. I forget which one of them. But he was actually quoted as saying something like during like the hippie revolution, right? Like everyone was just on LSD. I feel like that was like the drug of the hippie revolution yeah. was LSD and like pot, whatever. But he actually said, like, oh, thank the U.S. government for that. Because, Mm -hmm. yeah, think about it. LSD is like a street drug now. Right. But the only reason that it is is because the U.S. government brought brought it here, bought (laughs) all of it, brought it here, and then distributed it to people without their knowing it. They imported it. They 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 really (laughs) did do this to the U.S. economy. Yeah. So also funny, when I think of, like, the free love and hippie revolution. I do think of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because that's where the pad was. And that's where they, I feel like they were just like throwing LSD into the water supply, like just throwing well, it to everybody. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, there's, you know, those records are gone. Like, who knows what happened mm-hmm. over 20 years? Like, Yeah, I think a lot of stuff went down. A lot of stuff. And so now it's kind of so funny how I feel like it's like shaped just like pop culture. Like I said, like the hippies, they're Mm -hmm. from San Francisco. Not that they weren't everywhere, but kind of going back to what you were just saying about there's so much that we don't know. It makes me think of other different plots that I've heard the government doing. The ones that just sound like the government didn't do that. No Mm -hmm. government did that, but it's actually true. They tried to poison Fidel Castro by poisoning a cigar. (laughs) Apparently at one point, and I don't know if this was during the Cold War, but the U.S. government thought of an idea of dropping small-sized condoms all over Russia, but labeling them as large. What? So that everyone would think that they're using, or no, the other way around, large-sized condoms, but labeling them as small. (laughs) So that they would wow. trick all the men into feeling not like inadequate. Interesting, yeah. but that is, I guess, a, an actual idea that was proposed. <laughs> I mean, they say what? No idea is a bad idea. No so idea is a bad go. idea. Yeah. <laughs> so I think in the midst of this too, or shortly after, I don't. I think it was in the middle of this. It's like when Watergate happened mm-hmm. and everything. So it's like you have Watergate, people listening in, tapping phones. You have Sputnik, a satellite going on. I'm like, man, the 50s, 60s, and 70s, no wonder everyone was on drugs. Everyone yeah. was paranoid, so paranoid. That sounds terrible. <laughs> um, what else has all the governments in the world done that we still just don't know anything about? Oh, stop it. Stop. So much. I They're know. probably still listening right now. I hope you're listening to a historical podcast. Yeah. Share us with all your friends. (laughs) 
Just don't like, share, follow. And, and put us on some sort of list. <laughs> I am also very paranoid by nature, so thank you. I don't need to, <laughs> to have that added onto my life. Also, if you feel like just doing some of your own research to find out more about what all transpired, again, we just hit the highlights or anything that made me giggle, really, or didn't make me giggle because there's a lot of sad bits, but there are a lot of conspiracies that spin off of this. One in particular is one that I really didn't want to cover because it's children. It's Operation Monarch. It's said to be of the same type of experiments-ish about mind control and stuff like that and drugs like MK Ultra, but on children. Mm-hmm. Um, there was actually a girl that came out that said that she recollected when she was younger that she was part of this experiment. Tons of people came out after that. There's a lot up to b- debate what on its validity, but there is that. Operation Monarch. What else has been spawned off of that? Obviously just them listening. Some people still think that the government was successful in developing mind control and that they've since deployed it among certain celebrities and stuff like that, people with high platforms in order to sway the masses, right? Mm -hmm. Just like an influencer, right? If someone has 5 million followers, you want them to promote you. They have 5 million people watching them. It's true. I think I have 112 followers on my Instagram. (laughs) No one's going to pay me money to say things to 112 people. Yeah, I think my dog has more than I do personally. Oh, my God. Walty (laughs) has definitely double more than I do. Easy. And... I mean, very popular. Totally earned. But the power of the influencer, I get it. Yeah. So some people say that, that, yeah, a lot of celebrities, politicians, Mm -hmm. that they have been mind controlled. There's a whole even like rabbit hole to that. Something about Britney Spears and her um, mental issues that she was suffering through in, what was that, 2008? Mm -hmm. That a lot of that was actually stemming from drugs that the government was giving her. Oh, interesting. Yeah. There's a whole lot down there. It's funny because it's like, I was kind of reading through some of them like that would never happen that's not true and I'm like the government was literally drugging people torturing people torturing prisoners of war and different and no one knew and we will never know the full extent Uh, R.I.P. Frank Olson that's all I'm gonna say he seemed like a solid dude yeah that's too bad yeah anyway that's MK Ultra. oh my goodness I don't know. I love all the little conspiracy theory episodes. So thank you so much for pulling that together. I'm kind of jealous because I feel like I would have loved to do this episode too. Um, You would have liked to research poop toilets? No, uh, everything else. I'm just going to keep saying it. (sighs) Any thank you for pulling it all together and giving us, you know, highlights, the high level stuff. Uh, I'm sure there are many, many deep dives to come after this and rabbit holes. I know for sure. I will probably be doing one. Spiral. Definitely. Also, look up some pictures of some of these guys we talked about, like George Hunter White. Yeah. They look like how you think they would look. The closet martini man himself. He definitely 100% looks exactly how I thought he looks. Yeah. Wasn't shocked at all when I looked him up on one of our breaks. I'm like, yep, exactly how I pictured him. Yeah. Well, if you guys want to go down your own deep dive and you need Michelle's source material as a starting point, Go check out our website, historiablepodcast.com. Which, can I pause right there? Deanna and I were laughing about this earlier. I was telling her how (laughs) difficult it was for me to try to find what I deemed as credible sources. (laughs) Because a lot of the websites I was going to just were not it. So definitely be aware of what website that you're sourcing this information from. I hope I did a good job, but (laughs) jury's still out. But yeah. 
Um, yeah, shoot us an email. If you find an interesting fact or tidbit that we didn't cover today that you were like, you guys should have done this, email us, historicalpodcast at gmail.com. Check out all of our socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. They're all historical podcast. And if you're in the mood for some bonus content and you want to support us, join our Patreon. Super fun, super cool club. And you get all access to our backlog. And we did some cool episodes. We did. Like on a Polish soldier bear and also how a bunch of people saved a bunch of whales that were stuck in a little ice hole in the middle of nowhere. Operation Beluga. Deanna did that. Yeah. There's also non-animal stories for those that are so inclined. But check it out. It's only, I think, like $3, $5, or $10 a month. And it's a great way to support us, and we really appreciate it. So shout out Patreons. um, And that's patreon.com slash historical podcast. So I think that's it. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Michelle, for pulling this together. And once again, I'm super jealous. I want to go on my own deep dive, so I'm going to go do that now. So thank you very much. You're welcome. All All right. right. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Okay, real question. If you were trapped in a closet on a poop toilet chair, would you be drinking a gin martini or a vodka martini? A dirty martini with blue cheese olives, hands down. Solid, solid, solid. What about you? I'd probably go gin with a lemon twist, maybe a cocktail onion, depending on my mood and how hungry I am. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Bye. Bye.